You want to hold? In Jesus, you have the grace of God, and in Jesus, you have the peace of God, and in Jesus, you have the grace and the power and the hope of God. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning. I'd like to put in front of you again just verse 2 of Matthew chapter 3, actually verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our Redeemer, our Emmanuel. Amen. This is, I think, one of the most difficult things to do in life, to say these words. You were right, and I was wrong. How does that go for you? Easy words to say? Find yourself saying them quite often? Maybe to get at how difficult it can be for us to say these words, let me just ask you this, when was the last time? When was the last time you said to somebody, you were right and I was wrong? Do you know who we really need to say those words to? And not just occasionally, but I believe every day of our lives, you were right. I was wrong. We need to say those words to God. He's always right, isn't he? But we aren't. Many times today, you and I will do what's wrong. We'll sin. Many times yesterday, we did what was wrong. We sinned. Many times this past week, you and I did what was wrong. We sinned. We sinned in our, in our thoughts. We were wrong with our words. We sinned with our deeds. And to repent is to come back to God and say those words. Admit to God, I was wrong. You were right. That's repentance. To do that is to repent. Long ago, John the Baptist, the voice, I would have loved to heard his voice. It had to be a booming voice. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. We've also heard in today's gospel lesson the way a lot of people responded to that message. A lot of people responded with sincere repentance. I'm wrong. God is right. How will we respond to the message of John the Baptist? Now, hopefully, our response won't be like that of the Pharisees and Sadducees who came out of curiosity to see this, this John, this baptizer. They did not believe what he was preaching, nor did they follow his words. And, Jesus, and John didn't mince his words back to them, did he? 
You brood of vipers, he said to them, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think to say, you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Why was John so hard on those people? It's because they never could, and they never would admit that they were wrong. Because in their own humble opinion of themselves, they never were wrong. Oh, others, yes, were wrong, but not them, especially given their ancestry. After all, they were the descendants of Abraham. And those folks, in their opinion, never did anything wrong. Now, there's just way too much evidence to the contrary for any of us to take that view and understanding of ourselves, isn't there? I mean, take a moment and, and finish out this sentence. Last week, Lord, I was wrong, and you were right when I... And now finish this sentence. Yesterday, Lord, I was wrong, and you were right when I... And I know we're not that far into today, but finish the sentence. Today, Lord, already today, I was wrong. And you were right when I... You know what? If, you, if you're hesitating to finish those sentences, while it can be dangerous for us to admit that we were wrong to another human being, because they may just continue to hold it against us and never ever forget what we did wrong, God will never do that. His promise to us is this. I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. Do you believe that promise? To believe that promise is the second half of repentance. The first half is to admit I am wrong and seek his forgiveness. The second half is to believe that he does and has forgiven me of all of my sins, no matter what the sin was. No matter what it was. If we claim to be without sin, the Bible tells us, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then it goes on to give us this promise. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's look at a real life situation. 
where we see that truth so powerfully played out. And as I prepared and wrote and, and, and thought about all the people of the Bible that I could pull out as an example of confession and God's forgiveness, the one that stuck was the guy that we call the penitent thief on the cross. He owned up to what he had done, didn't he? He said to the other guy being crucified with him, we are getting what our deeds deserve. And then he looks at Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And dying on the cross right next to him, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Those words were an absolution. Those words were Jesus saying to that man, you are forgiven. You are washed clean. This blood that's flowing out of me, that has made you white as wool and as pure as snow in the eyes of your God. Today, you will be with me in paradise because there is no sin standing against you that will prevent your entrance. You are forgiven. It won't be any different for you or for me than it was for the penitent thief. And again, it comes all back to the man and the cross in the middle and the blood that he shed there. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Come, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, though they are red like crimson, they shall become white and pure as snow and as wool because of Jesus because of his perfect life in our behalf. Never once in his life would it have been appropriate for Jesus to say, I was wrong, and you were right, because he was sinless in all points. In all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then he laid down that perfect life on the cross to pay for our sins, to make it absolutely certain that you and I, because of him, we are forgiven of our sins. So let's back up and let's do this once more. Lord, I was wrong and you were right when I and whatever sin it is that is popping into your mind at this moment, hear these words, son, daughter, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Doesn't that just make you want to change about whatever it is that you confessed that you had been wrong and, and begin to leave that, that sin behind 
John the Baptist said it this way, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance will result in a change in my behavior. Won't it? God's forgiveness will empower a change in my behavior. Won't it? I mean, consider, consider the woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and was being brought before Jesus to be stoned. And after Jesus dealt with all the guys who couldn't see that they were wrong, Jesus is kneeling down and he's writing with something with his finger in the sand and, and the woman is just standing there in front of him. And Jesus finally looks up at her and says, is there anyone here to condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, neither then do I condemn you. And then he said, go and sin no more. Leave that life behind and make different choices. Or how about Zacchaeus? When Zacchaeus understood what he had done and how wrong it was, and when Zacchaeus embraced the fact that in Jesus he had the forgiveness of sins, he left behind his life of stealing from others and cheating others, didn't he? And he says, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. His behavior changed, didn't it? What will you do? What will change about you and, and in you? What new direction will you turn to and, and, and walk in? in with your thinking or with your speaking? Or with your doing. You know, I, I'm going to guess this is true of you, even as it is true of me. I have my pet sins. They're deeply ingrained in my life. And it's a struggle to repent and change those things, isn't it? It's going to take a power that is greater than me and my will to change those. It will take nothing less than the grace of God and the power of his spirit to put my feet on a new path and lead me in a new direction. So it is David's prayed in the Psalms, create in me a, a new and right spirit. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So he prayed as he repented. And in your baptism, you and I were given exactly that power of God's grace and God's spirit to live a new life. Paul, who certainly underwent many, many changes in his life, he wrote this, don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Or as Paul said a little later in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it was, believing that in his heart, King David prayed this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That was his prayer in order to bear fruits in keeping with repentance. It's also why he went on to pray 
and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Wouldn't that make a good daily prayer for you and me? I was wrong, and you were right. Those are not only great words for us to use to repair and, and build our relationship with our God, they're also good words for you and I to use in our relationships with one another. Who do you need to say those words to? Do you need to say them to your spouse? I was wrong. You were right. Do you need to say them to your children? I was wrong. You were right. Do you need to say them to an, another member of this congregation? I was wrong. You were right. And what if someone comes up to you and says them to you? I was wrong. You were right. Isn't then a moment for us to be as gracious to that person as God has been to us as we confess our sins to him? I was wrong. You were right. Those will never be easy words to say. But just know that when we say them, God hears them and receives them and for the sake of his son, says back to you, you are forgiven. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.